you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. Featuring a reimagined exterior with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and an interior built with robust materials and integrity, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Its durability has been tested to the extreme, while the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 837. And now let's check in with the Nerdist Community Corkboard. These are happenings from you, the Nerdist Community. Who is out there? See, because I bitch at you to make stuff happen, and then, then when you do, now I'm obligated to talk about it. Because I have been shoving you into action. Uh, but it's good for you. So uh, one of the things I want to say, this is from very specifically the Nerdist community, Kevin Heffernan and Steve Lemmy from Super Troopers, uh, Beer Fest, uh, the great Nerdist podcast, Chewing It. They have their Comedy Central special called Below the Belt. It is premiering this Friday, November 11th at midnight. Please watch it. Uh, support these gentlemen. They're nice and they're funny. Also, I was just performing in Boston at the Wilbur Theater, uh, which sounds like a plug for me, but it's not when, I t- when you hear what I have to say. And a uh, guy came to the show, gave me a flyer, and said, hey, could you mention this on the corkboard? And I said, I absolutely will. Uh, try to be a man of my word. So uh, this Thursday, November 10th, doors are at 8 p.m., a comedian named Orlando Baxter, who just had his debut on Conan, is going to be recording his live album. And they'd love to get people out there. Uh, it's hosted by Nick Chambers and Al Park. Uh, go out there and see him at the Rockwell. That's the Rockwell, Thursday, November 10th. Get out there. Uh, You can go to sbcomedy.bpt.me for tickets and info. Uh, The the Rockwell is uh, on Elm Street in Somerville, Massachusetts. You might say Somerville, but Southerners say Somerville. So I apologize if I butcher the name. The name of the city is not what I need you to know. Uh, I just need you to know to go see Orlando Baxter, support live comedy, and support people who are out there making their own thing. And then finally, Jay writes, Support amazing Atlanta crafters, artists, makers, and vintage sellers this holiday season uh, for the 12th annual Indie Craft Experience Holiday Shopping Spectacular. You can shop directly from these talented people November 19th and 20th with 165-plus craft and vintage vendors, uh, including... Uh, Jay, who is the belligerent monkey, goes by the belligerent monkey. But all monkeys are belligerent. I mean, if you really want to really get into it. Plus, 10 plus local food vendors. So go to facebook.com slash indie craft experience for more info. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope I, I would go to that if I were in Atlanta. I'm not. I'd like to be because I want to go down there and uh, 
I need to be a zombie on The Walking Dead. That's what really needs to happen, you guys. But uh, maybe maybe next season. Maybe next season will happen. They're about to wrap this season, so maybe next season it'll happen. This episode, Anna Kendrick returns to the podcast. She's spectacular. I don't know what to say. She was great the first time she came on the podcast many years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. And she was great on her return. And I hope she comes back. She's just a... She's just great to talk to and super, super, super funny. Her memoir is coming out November 15th, wherever books are sold. Pre-order it now if you can. Scrappy Little Nobody is the name of the book. Also, Trolls is out in theater. Go see that. Anna's in that with Justin Timberlake. And uh, and, uh, and here she is. I'm very excited to, to have her back on this little Nerdist podcast. Here's Nerdist podcast number 837 with a return of Anna Kendrick. Katie, oh, would you be so kind? Now entering Nerdist.com. No, we're just talking about house plants and like I for the first time <laughs> the least killable ones. Well, yeah, I mean basically and also like because I've been living in my home for the first time in like 4 years, <laughs> like actually spending time there, I was like I'm going to buy plants and I went on like a 2 week press tour for the first time since I bought the plants and thought like, oh, like 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 a character in a television program. Yes. I now need to like ask a friend to water my plants. Mm-hmm. And and I I I got a little too big for my britches. I was keeping a couple of succulents alive and I thought I would buy like a little four foot tree mm-hmm. and it it like rejected my touch. It hung it, itself. It literally like I, I I can only describe it as watching it disintegrate before my eyes. Like I couldn't believe it and I the most surprising thing was not that I killed it, but how emotionally attached I became to it. Like, it wasn't, like, the little plants, if it dies, it's like, oh, I'll just get another one. But, like, a tree, I suddenly felt like, you are, like, a product of evolution. You mm-hmm. made it. You are the seedling that made it. And you grew to be, like, four feet tall. And that's no small accomplishment, I think. No. And I, and two weeks in my home, <laughs> and I ruined you. Like, I felt, I felt awful. It made me question, like, my ability to, like value and care for like life forms. It is pretty amazing how that becomes the receptacle for so much of your emotional yeah. health. Yes. But there are things that you can get where you can um you can there there used to be this device that you could plant in the soil and it would connect to an app and it would do an analysis of the soil and tell you like what? not getting enough water, not getting enough okay, light, I need that. not getting enough I need that. and I wish Katie could you just look yeah. it up uh and this was like five or six years ago, so I assume the technology's actually gotten even better since then. But because uh, I called the you know the like plant shop that I bought it from and was like I I, I actually which I knew was an embarrassing thing to do because I knew <laughs> the answer would be no, but I couldn't help myself. I was like, is there any way you would do like a house call? Like I I have to save. That's this a great plant. question though. Like and I was like and I was like obviously I don't mean for free. Like your time is valuable. I was just and you know 
understandably, this woman who like runs the plant shop was like, that's not really what we do here. Someone would you do know? that, though. I mean, she was like, you can bring it in. And it was just, it was one of those things where I just knew like it wouldn't survive me like trying to get it into my car. <laughs> and, you know, because it was like precarious getting it into my home. Right. And like now that it's dying, I was like, it'll just die on the way. So I just had to like watch it. It's a bummer. I mean, we... Um we have uh, uh, I, I we care very much about the gardening around our home, and mm-hmm. we I, we have you know people who are like the guy who does our gardening is essentially like a he's like a scientist, so he oh. knows when he came in when we we took over our when we bought the house, the previous owners had put all these white rocks everywhere, and he came in and said no, they bring in bacteria, it makes the soil toxic, we need to remove all that, put in proper soil, put this. And, oh no, that's and, terrible news because I was like, I'll just put black or white rocks everywhere. <laughs> well, you just have to be outside, very careful. Like, yeah. the, the outside, I definitely just want it to be, you know, I, I know myself well enough to know that like a gorgeous, like luscious English garden style thing is not going to happen. So I was like, I'm just going to put like a couple cactuses and then just put like white rocks everywhere. I have that's, a guy for you that's though. That's really sad. I have a guy for you because the guy who, um, we don't just have some random person trim the trees and like shave them off at the top. There's like I have a I have a guy who's an arborist. You realize like how fancy you sound right now. Like I was about to say that, and then I heard the word arborist uh, as I was already going. Like you're too fancy. I and sa- then you said arborist. And I, I sound. And I, I went. Sa- I don't like you anymore. <laughs> I know. I sound like I a just piece of turned shit. on you. I just became you Gwyneth Paltrow. Relatable, <laughs> and now I hate you. But think of it from this point of view. We care so much about the trees uh, on our little. Uh, around our little house that we have a guy who is a scientist who comes in and he'll say, you know, when you're trimming this tree, these are the ones that will maximize tree health. So he doesn't just chop them up. Yeah. He actually cares for them, which yeah, I know nice. sounds no, snotty, no, uh, but it's but just I, because but I think that speaks to the reason I was so upset that the plant died. It wasn't that like I spent money on the tree and it was dying. It was like, I, it's a life. It form. is. Like, yeah. And it survived. I know. Get really <laughs> is it gone it. now? Is the it tree? Is, it is gone. It is like it is no more. It's really difficult. There's a. I like to go to this place called Sunset Nursery on mm-hmm. Sunset. It's way down Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake, and it's uh, it's this great mom and pop know, nursery yeah, place. I know. Makes me so happy being there. I'm Every like, time I'm you go in, you want to buy everything into my home. I'm going to yeah. become this shop. I like the place I went to is like. I imagine similar vibes where you're like, can I just hang out here? Like there's wind chimes. It's such a peaceful – but I think the trick is to just do some research before you buy stuff so you know – I Okay. I I feel you judging me. No, not at all. I did. Like I literally – that's why it was so frustrating. I wasn't like, why is my tree dying? Like I was like, there's a spot in my house. So like what's a tree that wants a lot of indirect sunlight but not direct sunlight and like I you know can water it like kind of frequently but not too – That's the best you can do. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes things just die. No. Sometimes in life, things just yeah. Things let's just say die. that. Let's just say that it was natural selection and it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Don't take any responsibility. Okay. Sometimes you can't. I mean, yeah. It in in a certain environment, some things just no matter what you do are not gonna. You know, you can have two of the exact same. Which we do. We have, you know, we have bougainvillea around the around the house. I don't know what that is, but well, great. it's that it's that red. It's, it's you know very. You see it a lot in California. It's those red leaves that you see like outside houses. Okay. It's like you know when you see oh, I like think a, I know what you're talking like about. a swath of like red or pink mm-hmm. or red oranges leaves. Uh, they're great here in Southern California, and you can have two bushes 
seemingly of all the exact same conditions right next to each other, one will die and one won't. Right. And one will thrive okay. and you just well, don't – you can only do the best that you can do. But it sounds like you did. You researched and it didn't work and that's – you know, you can't – Yeah, I'm going to – I'm going to move on and, you know, get a different tree and always remember my first You have a tree funeral? <laughs> oh, man. What do you bury a tree in? Is it wrong to bury it in a wooden box? That seems <laughs> it seems seems unnecessarily seems dark. wasteful. Yeah, it does. You had to chop well, down the tree I next mean, to it luckily, to build the box. I mean, luckily, the outside, luckily, the outside of my house is also just like a mess of like weeds and so I just dumped it out there like I'm starting from the inside which I don't think is how you're supposed to do it but but you, know, you have it one doesn't step at a time it doesn't sound like you've ever really had time to settle down for no no yeah uh I I recently just was doing like some stuff on like my porch like the and my outdoor steps because you know after four years of living there and not taking care of it like the boards have started to warp and <laughs> of course. all that stuff so yeah, I'm living a life of luxury. And, uh, yeah, so I, I I always feel, like, so embarrassed, though. Like, the worse it gets, the less I want to ask someone to come and fix it. Like, going to the dentist. Like, the longer you put it off, you're like, but they're going to yell at me. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. want them to yell at me. What is this? Yeah. What have you done? Yeah. I mean, luckily, I the, the guy, uh, you know, probably because he wants to, you know, keep clients, like, didn't come in and go – this is really bad. This is you've done a bad thing. But I was like fully prepared for him to be like, "You're a bad person. Get out of humanity." And I don't like you. <laughs> no, well it I think uh that's I think as long as if people understand like I really did try. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to they would have to be kind of an asshole. Like if they came in and you were like, "No, give a shit whatever." <laughs> then that's different, you know, but your demeanor isn't that. So I don't feel like I don't think someone would come in and all of a sudden, you know, go back home and go, well, I met Anna Kendrick and she is a nightmare. She's a disgusting monster person. She she should live in a cave because the house is too good for her. I mean, I don't think it's anything like that. I don't think it's anything like that. I feel like um, hopefully this is a metaphor for like work and relationships and fulfillment because otherwise we've just been talking about plants for (laughs) the whole opening. People get very, I mean, it is, you know, with plants and pets, I mean, it's like it's part of our nature to sort of imprint our emotional baggage on yeah. on these and so it it is yeah I, I feel the same way too i feel really bad when plants die or trees die i'm like oh it was so yeah. it had a shot you know yep. but at the same time i don't have a problem eating a salad that was that's a murdered yeah. that's a murdered plant basically <laughs> so i don't know what the problem is but i would love to do you have a, like a, you want to grow like vegetables in your house no that's fancy that's really fancy and i feel like it takes a lot of work like but it's it's also another one of those things where sometimes i get overwhelmed with all the things that as a functioning adult you are supposed to be good at and know how to do and I feel like cooking is one of them and so like you know growing your own basil and like it's such a romantic idea but like when you think about like all the skills that we are supposed to have (laughs) like we're supposed to be really good at like well this some of this is more toward women than men but you know I'm sure that it affects everybody like we're supposed to know you know how to dress ourselves really well in the most up-to-date way and how to decorate our homes in the most up-to-date way and we're supposed to know like cooking trends even like you know god help you if you're still cooking like molten lava cake like it's the (laughs) 90s um so yeah I don't know I can't I cannot get into um 
like growing my own like vegetables and herbs without becoming overwhelmed by like all the things I'm supposed to be right. doing and like doing on a level that's like pretty high but doing it just as a part of my basic life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm supposed to be good enough to have a dang cooking show just to be considered like a successful adult. Like when people are like, you don't cook? I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't because it's one of the many, many skills I don't have. There's so many other skills I don't have, but cooking is like, Listen, it's I, like, well, then you're not a person. Don't feel bad about that. There are a million and a half things that people want to be able to judge you for and go, oh, <laughs> oh, um, you don't read a novel every week? Right. Well, you're not cultured. Like, well, why does that? You're doing your life wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's so, that's so dumb. I, I just, but I will say the older I get, you know, if I ever see any kind of like travel shows or it's like, oh, we went to a, a self-sustaining farm, I get really wistful in a – like I, I feel like I get it. I get yeah. the idea of just having a farm that is completely self-sustaining. You grow all your own stuff. You go out and get your eggs. You milk the cow. You you yeah. know, you know you raise your own beef or whatever and, and it just – and you do not reliant on anything. That sounds so wonderful. Yeah. But that's also your – you can't – that's your job. No, I know. I hadn't – I mean I don't know a lot about, you know, sustainable anything truly. But like um, I was reading just like the introduction to this book about, um, you know, kind of the morality of of hunting. And it was like from the point of view of someone who had hunted their whole lives. And, you know, just talking about the basic um, kind of balance between like – well, if you are going to, you know, have a plant-based diet, like a lot of those things are being shipped across the country and into the country on trucks and planes and trains and like using fossil fuels and stuff. And I was like, oh, now, now I just feel terrible about about everything. We should never terrible eat anything. Terrible about everything. But I was like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, when I want to cook squash during the summer, like I'm the asshole that's like, I will have my squash. <laughs> I don't care that it is out of season in my current region. I've never seen I will this have man. it. Get to the squash. Quick. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just. So I, I, I understand what you're saying where like the idea of like growing things and knowing like that no harm has has like come to anyone or the planet like based on what i am ingesting like that would be that would be a great feeling that would be amazing because i am riddled with guilt every time i have a meal but you also you know you but you do but you do have a career and you have things that you want to do you you wrote a book which is a Why huge did anybody accomplishment let me do that? because you had a Ooh. you had a you had a story had to stuff tell to say. You I'm a, Anna and I have something to say and and also you know i think people do care people do want to know because you you know you you've had a really fantastic career and you're still really young and and you and so that the idea of especially for people who are like well how do i you know, how do I make my mark in the world? Like reading your story is good for people because it inspires and gives them ideas. And so never underestimate the power of your own story. And not just for people who are, you know, like are on entertainment things. But everyone yeah. has a great story that they should share because the, a piece of it will inspire someone somewhere. Yeah, no, I I, I I, have definitely gone, you know, during the entire process of the book, I, I've gone between, you know, being really proud of it and really excited about it and just being like, oh, so narcissistic. Like, I'm <laughs> writing about me. Like, who cares? And, um, you know, someone was saying and, – and sort of going like, how am I going to talk about 
how am I going to promote something? You know, I'm used to promoting something where I can usually just go, the director was so great. Everybody <laughs> right. else in it is so great. The script is so great. And then I'm there too. And um, how am I going to like – uh, promote something that is literally just my thoughts. And someone was like, well, you know, like I think it could be valuable for women and young women. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but but truly like it, it was actually kind of freed me because I was like, yeah, actually, particularly growing up, but still all the time when I read anybody's story and yeah, sometimes any woman's story, like it, it just makes me feel less alone. Mm-hmm. Like just hearing like anyone say something honest is like I feel more fulfilled as a person and I feel like that I can be more honest with people and, you know, just less alone in the world is a is a positive feeling. Yeah, because so. you, you don't know you, – you also don't have the correct perspective on yourself for other people. So something that might – some story that might seem very innocuous to you yeah. or very superfluous could really resonate with someone else and inspire them to do something. So, it, you know, I think it's good to – I think it's good to share and it's good to – I mean – you know, there's a difference between you writing a book or you going to like a dinner party and never shutting up about yourself. You know, like I do are... that too, though. <laughs> I brought everyone a book. I've signed a copy for everyone here. And while we're at it, I'll just I'll just monopolize the conversation. We're your family. <laughs> you know, it's like, but I but I do think uh, I do think it's I do think it's important, especially because the title of your book is Scrappy Little Nobody, which immediately says that you at least view yourself as someone who. Hey, I don't think I'm anything special, and I had to fight really hard in this world. Like that's what that suggests. Yeah, I don't know if that's what you. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it is that, and I and you know the the only confusion that I I kind of knew that some people would have about the title, and you know, kind of uh, joke about is that like uh, that I was being. Um, uh, like falsely humble, you know, sure. like uh, like overly modest uh, on purpose, like for I don't know sympathy or something. But uh, the you know the meaning for me of the title is really about um, honoring that person and wanting to hold on to that person. Like that that is that's the guy. And if I'm not that guy, that's a really bad thing, right. you know. As opposed to like I promise, who me? Like that <laughs> I I didn't want. I know that the title that some people will read it and it might as well be like little me. <laughs> And come off really disingenuous, but it's like like a, like a hat, like yeah, an old timey hat. Like, oh, that, come on, you like me? Yeah. Um, but definitely um, is about like wondering, like, uh, am I holding on to the best qualities that I had as a person who was fighting? Sure, you know, and not being complacent and not you know being too comfortable and you know always fighting to well you know in the literal sense like be better in my career but just be a better person be a more aware person and like you know that is like that yeah like that's uh something i want to be aware of and well also you know it's i think whether or not someone is going to publish a book they should probably you know like when you're just kind of at the end of your 20s is a good time to start exploring and asking those questions because Right after that is when I think you really just start figuring out who you are, what you're comfortable with. You know, you can make all your mistakes in your 20s because it's not the 17 and 1800s when your life expectancy is 38. But but I think it's a good time because it allows – when you put it all down, you can look at it a little more objectively – and go, oh, wow, look at these patterns I never yeah. even recognized before. Yeah, there were definitely things like that. Well, the biggest one for me was when I was writing this, 
I was like, oh, I have issues with money. <laughs> I like have a, an issue that I need to think about and work on with how I feel about money and not having it and then having it and people who were born into it and people who earn it. And like, I I need to fucking get over that. Like, mm-hmm. it's like thinking that other people were more privileged. It's like the amount of privilege I have is absurd. So I need to like stop being a little baby about it. And like, there were so <laughs> many times when I would be writing about something unrelated and somehow it would like, you know, I'd be like furiously typing this tirade about, and it was just like, dude, you need to check yourself, like get it together. Yeah. Like, you know, assuming that people who were born into money don't have issues is like, and is it very childish? Well, everyone, ha- everyone has issues yeah. because everyone's human and nothing. And so there were, to be, to be clear though, I lost all of that. I think there's like <laughs> one mention of it, but like, I definitely was at least self-policing enough to know, like, don't even, don't even give that to your editor. This is you being an idiot. I understand. It, like, our arborist showed up an oh hour God. late and I was like, <laughs> How is my assistant going to get my chai lattes here on time if you can't respect my iCal, sir? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I hate us. We're the worst. We're the worst. We're the worst yeah. ever. No, but I, I do think, you know, it. you are a, you have to be comfortable with your environment. And sometimes your environment changes. And even when society might tell you, oh, this is the most positive way your life can change, it's, change is still change. And you still have to figure out who you are, what do you want, mm-hmm. how, how can you be a responsible... I think most people don't really ask themselves, well, how can I be a responsible member of yeah, humanity? Yeah, human race. You know? And so it's they're, they're just so much more complex issues that are more nuanced than... than and so I, it is... They're good questions to ask. And it's good... It's even good that you were able to get something out, see it, and then go, oh, yeah. uh, oh I'm glad I saw that. Yeah. It's like it, you're basically just taking out the guts so you can look at them and say, are these healthy or are these not healthy? Yeah. But you need that kind of third-person perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, sometimes I feel like I also identify a lot of those issues when I'm watching somebody else's art you know like when i'm when i say watching because that's <laughs> or reading or reading um watching on I, a page because i'm literate i promise when i am gardening to make my dinner <laughs> from all my food but yeah that i mean that's like such a i mean i remember like watching um i think it was match point and like uh there's a scene there's like this little vignette where um is it killian murphy who's in match point or is it the other one that Jonathan Rice Meyer yeah those yeah right. they look the they're both like very like luscious lipped beautiful <laughs> european very men. severe jawlines yes, like yes. gorgeous androgynous yes. men um and he's like reading the cliff notes to war and peace or one of the you know like a, a to to a classic and it's just solely for the purpose of discussing it with friends and i was like oh no like i've never literally done that but like you know like seeing yourself reflected and wondering like you know, are there things that I um, seek out and, like, uh, consume so that solely for the purpose, not of my enjoyment or fulfillment or, like, betterment, but to discuss it at parties, to seem superior. Like, But but I think even that, I even think there's... And that kind of honesty is, like, I, I feel like it is uncomfortable to put something like that on screen because it's, like, that is a that is an ugly quality. It so is. like that seems like also the the goal. But I think it's I think there's I think there can be but I think that's really again there's nuance there because 
yes, the type of person, like, what, why are they doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, you always ask the question why and what's the motivation. If the motivation is, I'm going to this party, I don't want to look like an idiot because mm-hmm. I want to feel like I belong. I don't think that's a terrible, yeah. you know, especially if you're someone who never really felt like you belonged. You're trying, but if it's, well, um, you know, I want to climb my way to the top of this social yeah. ladder so that I can oppress and that's different. Yeah, and so, so that I can get away with murder. So that you can get away with murder, yes. <laughs> uh, but I do think that, uh, I do think that it, there are, there are reasons that are acceptable and reasons that are maybe that are, are not great for why people would, would do things. But ultimately, I mean, we're all just fucking terrified. <laughs> we're all, you know, I was just talking to our head writer because we're, we're going to talk about the, the murder clown thing, this phenomenon oh, yeah. of murder clowns. And I said, you know, it's such a perfect reflection of the constant state of unease and paranoia that I think people in general sort of feel right now in this world where everything just feels batshit. And I think it feels even more batshit because we're inundated with social media and 50 million news outlets publishing 50 million stories a day because they have to make quotas and we're just trying to process it. And that's just a reflection of the paranoia that we're all feeling. And I just think we just... That's just kind of, you know, we want to belong. We want to, we all want to fit in. We all want to feel like we're a part of something. And it's, no, in a way, and in a way, the murder clowns are actually doing us a service because we get to go, that's for like, point at that and go, that thing freaks me out. And that is like, it is easy to know why because it is scary and it seems like it's going to harm me. (laughs) And there are these other like ideas and attitudes floating around, especially right now, that you're like, I don't really know. It is difficult for my brain to process all the reasons why I am upset and paranoid and nervous. And then we go, murder clown, that guy. Like, you, it's it's like something that you can like pour all that energy into. I think it's kind of genius and hopefully it doesn't. Like, hopefully a murder clown doesn't really murder someone, and hopefully someone doesn't <laughs> yes. murder a clown. Yes, and, yes. But it, but it really is kind of a mirror to society at the moment, where it's like, hey, this is who you are right now. We're sort of, we're painting on these faces and, you know, like, eerily representing a version of ourselves to the world, you know, through our Instagram pages or whatever. I mean, I think it's such an incredible, it's not illegal, no one's yeah. hurting anyone. <laughs> yeah. It's just upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> because we feel you know, like we have this paranoia deep inside. But I think it's good because it makes us talk about it and yeah. it makes us deal with it. And I always think that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I feel like we've been talking this is like a really dark conversation that we're having. And it's I'm, a great and conversation I'm, though. And I'm happy about it, but it plays into this <laughs> Does idea. it murder clowns play you were pointing to my book and saying that murder clowns play into I think into- you're behind it. No. <laughs> I think uh because we're talking about the idea of being comfortable with who you are, which your book helped you do, which I think this is kind of a societal reflection of that, of being, of having to face who you are and be comfortable with it and what are you comfortable with and not comfortable with. And, you know, I just think it's, I think it's good that you wrote a book because I think it's good to get it out. I think it's good to talk about stuff. I mean, was this therapeutic for you? Um, Yeah, I mean, in some ways and I don't know, like... I I I definitely like I don't want to say it wasn't challenging it, it certainly was but like I also you know don't want anyone to feel like oh so you had a drag it was a drag writing it like I'm not going to read it <laughs> um, but, uh, but oh I hated this here oh it was, it was the worst um but like I mean there were there was actually there was a day 
that um, I uh, I woke up and because I because I kind of do things you know in absolutes and so I wasn't one of those people who was just like writing like on the weekends in between you know uh, shooting movies and stuff like I had to just like sit down and lock myself away to, to do the bulk of it and like you know hand in a draft and just like did it uh non-stop like you know set myself a schedule and like didn't you know worked uh weekdays and weekends and you know just made it like a um like a 45 day process to just put anything on paper I say paper you know what I mean on the computer yeah um so that uh, I would just have like something and I could look at it and there was a day in that chunk of time that I woke up and like for whatever reason I I was like I started writing something that was like really dark and what I and I thought really funny I thought funnier than anything I'd been producing yet um, I didn't, hadn't had any feedback yet, but I, but I was like, I felt like this is the funniest thing that, that I've produced yet. And it was really dark. And I remember like my brother texted me and a friend texted me, just happened to text me that day and say like, how's it going? And I was like, weirdly today, like I, I'm kind of on a roll. I think I'm like doing something great. I think it's the best thing I've done so far. And it ended up being something that my editor was like, we can't, there's, there is no <laughs> way there is zero chance that we're putting this in the book. And I think if you told me that on that particular day, I would have just like thrown in the towel and be like, yeah, you know, forget it. But, um, you know, it, because it was about, uh, uh, food and body issues and it was really dark, like in, and, and, you know, and satirical. And, uh, you know, I think that ultimately, like, if it is something that could have been triggering for anyone, then like, of course it's not worth making some people laugh if it's triggering for like even one person. Sure. But, um, But there was a point where I was like, I feel like I'm doing something like really honest and, you know, talking about something that, you know, in an in a non nuanced space, because I don't really exist in in a space that has nuance most of the time. Well, I mean, in films and stuff. Yes. But doing most press Mm -hmm. and like. Twitter. That's like really the two places that it's I like you're that a stand I up, exist. So you could go, yeah, like spend an hour exactly. taking people on so a journey. I, yeah. So I, you know, I, I was like, but this is. I'm obviously joking. Like, I, not even, not even that I'm joking. I'm obviously like talking about like how much the average American woman like hates herself and deals with, uh, you know, trying to be okay with you know, who you are physically because you know that that is something to strive for. And then also just being like, yeah, but I'm the worst. Um, and I was like, so disappointed that, and I did, I did cannibalize like a couple of my favorite jokes from that and put it at various places in the book. But, um, but yeah, I I was like, I felt like that was really therapeutic for me, even though it isn't, um, in the book. And I, you know, uh, I'm obviously I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> but there might be a context for you that would allow you to talk about those things because there's not I mean I yeah, I mean I will say that the major, the the vast majority of it is nuanced in a way that I would not feel comfortable, you know, trying to put into 140 characters or no. talking about in a normal press situation that wasn't something like this, quite no, frankly. You couldn't you couldn't. The, the social media it the I also the basically the last I don't know if what draft you have but the last kind of chapter of the book is like a fake reading guide that was also essentially like my predictions for what 
the clickbait would be that came out of <laughs> that came out of the book because I know writing it that like there are jokes that it is would be so easy to just take out of context and like create a, a juicy juicy headline just a headline just for just for yeah. clickbait oh if I can find that that would be really great like I think what is it like I compare Zac Efron to Charlie Manson but like in a joke where it makes sense but like that's a headline right there that is a headline right Anna there Anna Kendrick says yeah. Zac Efron is Charles Manson so like trying to let go of oh, this this what will somebody deliberately misinterpret this sentiment as right is hard because they will do it like they that will happen there's nothing and it's I can impossible do. and no matter and what even like say. things that i say in this interview even though the people listening to the full interview are like your listeners are like nuanced people who like have complete thoughts sure. um like it doesn't mean that it can't be taken out of context and that is like ugh, a really annoying space to have to the worst, exist in the really the worst so part i was like about... tried really hard to let go yeah of that the, wor- the worst part about the clickbait stuff especially with like celebrity gossip and all that stuff is that it it's disguising it 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 has done this really disgusting thing of in some cases disguising itself as a form of altruism where it's like mm. hey I'm doing you a favor I'm letting you know what this person said because they know that number 1 outrage gets the most yeah. traffic mm-hmm. The idea that so much of it is for a commercial purpose is upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. It's like you're manipulating people's sense of social justice yeah. for money. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about it like that. And you know that most of them will not research the issue yeah. to listen to the full thing, get the full story. They're just going to go on, be mad, come back, shout at you. Sh- yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's such a no, fucked there up... No, there was a story uh, that I told on a podcast about um, like – how things that get sent to my house, like if people are able to figure out my home address and send me things, that I have to get rid of it just on principle because it, like, if, if you go through the proper channels and you want to send me something through my publicist or something, like, that is great and I will read your letter and all that stuff. But if it's to my home, like, n- no, I'm saying no to that. That's crossing a line. And I told this story about like how. Invasion. Yeah, exactly. And I told this story about how, like, uh, you know, the extreme example is that someone sent me a pair of diamond earrings and I was like, this has to go. Like, this is no, like, I'm not doing this. Um, and there were a couple people who were like, oh, she didn't think because people who listen to the podcast, I don't think felt this way, but people, you know, then it was like sure. reduced down to a couple sentences and people were coming at me on Twitter like, oh, wow, you didn't think to sell that to charity. And I was like, <laughs> Can we okay, let's just can we all operate on the assumption that I'm not an out of touch monster? Right. Like obviously, yes, I I actually went online to look up what the product was. I saw that yes, even though they were diamond earrings, they retailed for like $170. I have I have tried to sell things on eBay before. And like <laughs> I had no way to literally verify that they are real. Like they could have just been like Claire's earrings that was put in a box and sure. like like and I give like a lot of money to charity and like but I didn't say that in the story because it makes the story boring well and also and it was like oh I really didn't know that we weren't operating on an assumption on the assumption it's worse like like, it gets worse yeah that yeah well the I think the problem is that a a section of people want to assume that other people are not decent are not decent and have the worst motivations Mm -hmm. no moral compass like they're the only ones with a moral compass and sadly I think that says more about them than it does about the people that they're going after because it's like we just we've lost the ability to have conversations in social media because of its character limitations I think 
it's shallow. It's physically shallow in the universe, and it's emotionally shallow because you can't say more than a blurb of an idea. And so people have lost the ability to want to have conversations and say, "Hey, I saw that earring thing. Um, what was the story with that? Did you try?" Yeah. So then you could go, "Oh, well, actually, I did this." They just immediately go, "Fuck yeah. you!" Like you I didn't- researched it, and like, and I did. There was one person who was, seemed really upset about it, and I was like. Just for you, I will tack an extra $200 to my charitable donations at the end of the year that, like, I give <laughs> annually. But, like, other than that, I don't know what to say Yeah, to people, people don't – people want to get angry and shout and poke fingers. They don't really want to understand and have conversations. And that's, well, that's what we need fun. to be doing. I, I like poking fingers. I feel so great when I'm in my ivory tower and I'm going, you're all terrible. <laughs> you're all – I'm better than I'm you. Like, everyone is terrible but it's, me. The, like, the moral high ground has become, like, the new drug where yeah. people feel like they have the moral – high ground they feel like gloves are off I feel like you violated my moral code that's your fault even though it's my moral code and I'm gonna I'm allowed to say whatever I want to you because I have the moral high ground and that's not it's horrible especially when I feel like I am constantly trying to convince people I'm terrible (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I am shitty I'm a shitty person I'm a disaster do you really feel that way sometimes do you really feel that way Constantly. Why do you think you feel that Constantly. way? Constantly. I mean, but do you not feel that way? Are you not like, oh my god, I'm a I'm a disaster. Like how am I a person? How like you know, how do how am I a homeowner? How do I like how am I you're a married man now? Like yeah. how did this happen? I like I've I'm a child. Better. I haven't even figured anything out. I've gotten better at I've gotten better at some of it. And I think a lot of it really just has to do with um, sort of, you know, like mindfulness and living in the present mm-hmm. because, you know, when you're living in the past, it's a lot of like, I should have done this. Or why yeah. did I do when you're living in the future, it's a lot of worry. Like, what if this, what if, you know, what if everyone discovers I'm a fraud? What if I can't, yeah. you know, but when you're living in the present, you go, okay, well, these are the things that I have today. Uh, I did not obtain any of these things by nefarious means. Right. That's okay. That's true. It's okay to have things. It's okay to not have things. Like things are neutral. You know, it's like what do you what do you have in your life that you're thankful for, and what can you do? What can you do that day? Yeah. What can you just get through that day, and what can you appreciate in that day? And that's okay, you know? Yeah. I really thrive in just constant anxiety about the future, though. So I'm not really absorbing what you're saying. As much as I'm giving you the face that I'm like, wow, you're changing that. me. You're I appreciate sh- you trying. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even saying I'm great at it. It is something that I, it is something I struggle with. My wife says to me all the time, like, I think you just – because I'll go, oh, my God, I, but what if this? And I don't know if – and she'll go, I think you just need to create – drama for yourself oh, to deal yeah. with and I go oh, you're right you of course you I know she's I know she's right but it, but recognizing that God, I even I do, do that, that is yeah. helpful and I think it's just because we need to some of us just have obsessive brains and we always feel like we need to be doing something and when there's not something to do we're not comfortable so we have to like <laughs> knock something over and go I need to pick this up you know like we have to create the mess I would just mess. like to um, take a minute to appreciate the cat like motion you Thank just you very did much. and knocking I appreciate that, that bottle of water yeah. over like cat-like. you were a little YouTube kitty cat I was <laughs> I was a YouTube kitty cat and I was just discovering the world <laughs> um, but uh, this the thing about body issues and self-loathing and the stuff that you were talking about before, I feel like there is a context where it'd be nice if you could talk about those things because uh, because anything that's a positive voice in that area that can say – because you're not saying, 
those people over there. You're saying, I f- am a part yeah. of this group, and here's what I am feeling, I know. and I want to deal I with it. I know, that. and at first I struggled with the idea that me saying, this is what is inside me, this is how I feel, could be you know harmful or triggering to someone else. Because I was like, so I'm supposed to lie? Like, and say that I have, like, a, a healthy relationship with my body because I don't. It could also like, be helpful uh, and inspiring to people. I, I know. It's, ugh, it's, a, it's a tricky it's a tricky one, you know. Weirdly, I, in that day, did not crack the code to changing everybody's uh, mental health what? and physical health on Well, you need image. to get back in there and, and work it on it. It is surprising because I'm so good at everything. Do you have any insight at all that you that has, that is helpful? I, you know, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I feel like there are so many areas that I'm like looking to other people and and learning about, like uh, not just body image. Like so many, you know. Uh, I I will say, in defense of social media, it is like a, a, an excellent space for me to hear the opinions of people who've had different experiences in their lives than I have. And you know, it wasn't even until recently that. Uh, you know, I was reading someone else's content and they were saying like um, that it's you because sometimes you get caught up on body image and then physical health because like what do you – how do you reconcile wanting someone to be uh, okay at whatever weight that they are but then like a, would a doctor say that that's not healthy but like shouldn't we prioritize that person's mental health and quality of life over like uh, something that is – uh, in theory, detrimental to their physical health, and I, I was like, "See, this is why people are smarter than me." I'm thinking about uh, thinking about the issues. Yeah, I love it. I love that about people. You know what? I, I honestly, this, I, I I'm going to throw something out there. I'm going to pitch an idea to you, and you could obviously do whatever you want with it. But I think, I think there's a TED talk in your brain. <laughs> I really do because I think you have a perspective and a point of view. Um. You know, you people will listen to you, and I think having the point of view of someone with a really honest and authentic take on what body image means, what what mental health means, what's what are healthy boundaries, what's okay to, you know, I mean, it's just because it just gets sort of great. It's like, well, I mean, I want to feel good about myself, so what's wrong with X, Y, or Z? Well, X and Y are unhealthy. Z's okay, (laughs) so. You know, sort of coming well, up. Well, I also would feel, you know, that is part of what the, this this piece that didn't end up in the book was about, you know, is that I feel hypocritical because, like, to suggest that I have a healthier lifestyle than anybody who is, like, 20 pounds heavier than me is absurd. Like, the idea that, like, I, you know have regular exercise and you know like like I you know I will just eat a Twinkie and then go oh I should just skip a meal like that's just you know come on now right so it's definitely I definitely treat my body like a dumpster on fire like <laughs> I'm definitely not over here like well here's how I became so healthy you know but I think it, but I think it's okay healthy. to I think it's okay to say that as long as you're I think and that's sort of what that piece you know was as about that, honest. the fact that so many people are like what's your fitness secret and I'm like I hate myself. That's my fitness secret. <laughs> that's, that's okay, though, because that's honest. You're not – I mean, there might be – there's a difference between playing something for laughs that are cheap and easy jokes, and there's a difference between there's a comedy element that comes out because there is a shared experience that people have 
comedy is a defense mechanism and it helps you process the awfulness of yeah. things. You're not laughing no, at... No, it's true. Like, all my favorite comedians, their basic message is, like, I hate myself. Well, because they're <laughs> dealing with the darkness, yeah. you know? So if you're coming from a place of trying to understand the darkness and their comedy happens to come out of that because of the nature of what you're dealing with, that is way different than pointing at a group and going, ha look at those freaks yeah, over yeah, there, yeah, which yeah. you're not doing. But I actually feel like the thing, the thing that I could give a TED Talk about is more that uh, it, it seems like men are... Uh, not encouraged, but, like, it's certainly more under, easily understood when men say, like, oh, I have self-loathing, I hate myself. And when a when a woman says it, it's like, oh, why? What's wrong? Right. It's like, no, 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 I'm just saying, like, the human experience. Like, we all right. have these feelings. And, um, yeah, I don't know why there's uh, – like, whenever I try and, you know, bring it up, it, like, with uh, – uh, you know, maybe a reporter who works for a, a more, um, a less nuanced outlet. It's, uh, <clears throat> uh, it, you know, like I just couldn't get away with it because it would be like, oh, this is like a breaking news story. I'm like, no, this is the human condition, but, but cool thing. Well, right. But, you know, again, because, and, and it really makes me, I've really come to, in the last year, I've had a lot of talks with friends of mine who have also been, a part of social media since there was social media. Been mm. been, di- been in the digital age since, you know, the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And, 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 and a lot of us are really kind of coming to this place of, boy, I don't know. I don't know how real any of it is. So when someone yeah. takes that bit of your conversation, they make it a headline. They turn it into something that it's not. Yeah. It becomes this simulacrum of uh, kind of like a matrix of like it's not – it is a it is rooted in some reality, but the yeah. context of it, you've manipulated that yeah. to tell the story that you want to tell, no, not I, what the person wanted no, to tell. No, and, and I will be totally honest that like there were times when I, I would feel like I was losing my compass, like writing the the book and just going like what are people do people wanna hear certain things and you know and I would listen to this podcast, other podcasts of This American Life, like just, you know, and go like, okay, so they're okay. So there are, like, these are popular podcasts and, like, it would kind of just realign me to, like, this is what's real. Because you're right, like, when I, like, see content that is obviously uh, based in, like, outrage or they're they're peddling outrage or they're peddling, like – uh, kind of like misery, or that German word that I'm always too afraid to pronounce. Scheidenfrage. Yeah, thank you. That's that was gorgeous. Um, <laughs> I just said it angrily, <laughs> which is how I speak all German. Um, and would be like, "What am I doing? Like trying to fill 200 page, 250 pages with you know thoughts." Um, so yeah, I, I definitely feel like this kind of thing makes me feel, makes me understand and be rooted in reality. And go like, okay. Like, people do want to have conversations and, like, change their opinion on things. I have a mind-blowing question for you. Oh, my God. Which is, so just hearing you do all the research and go, well, what do people want to, you know, have you thought about maybe not focusing as much on, you know, like, do you think you define what you should do or what you want based Based on on what other people? people want and how important? Because really... I think that was more about self-preservation, like less like what should I create and more when I would second guess what I had created and go like, is this a bad idea? Right. You know, um, and is this something – because, you know, there are things that uh, people don't want to hear. Like there are are projects that I have worked on that – 
I didn't have a great time on and people don't want to hear it. If it's their, if that one is their favorite movie, they don't want to hear it. And I don't want to bum them out either. Like I remember asking someone, a friend of mine who uh, is in a very large franchise that I love and asking him like, so like, like what to like, what's it like working on those? And he was like, and I was like, Oh no! I wish I hadn't asked. You mean like, Larry the Cable Guy from the Blue Collar? Yeah, Comedy that's Tour? exactly yeah, who I mean. Yeah, He's my yeah. friend. Um, uh, you didn't you want know, to know so about just it. Just in the sense that, like, you know, a I don't want to bum people out, and b I don't want to give more of myself and have it backfire. Like that would be because then you people know, are like, like, "Oh, you're privileged complaining. You get to be yeah, in this great thing." Well, Fuck yeah, you. yeah, and 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 actually, like, um, you know, there were things that I was not going to talk about because I was like, nobody, nobody wants to hear it. And Edgar was actually one of the people who encouraged me to like, uh, write about the process of, um, you mean promoting director Edgar up in the air and, uh, uh, and being nominated for an Oscar and like just kind of what an overwhelming and terrifying experience that was because I was like, there's no way for me to do that without coming across a ungrateful and be like really melodramatic Mm -hmm. and uh and like i didn't find that at all like the people that i showed that to like you know really responded to it and found it interesting so um there were just times when i second guessed like how honest i could be without alienating people and that's more what i mean like in terms of like what do people really want to hear not like Sure. Ooh, what like what's the you know like what's the thing that everybody's doing and how sh- you know how do I totally replicate understand. it? I totally understand. I but I I do find that the best decisions or the best things that I have in my life were because because most of the time you don't really ask yourself a lot of questions. I think you set up a bunch of things on sort of like autopilot mm-hmm. so you can mm-hmm. just kind of get through your day because there's just a lot to figure out in a day and there's a lot to do and it's just it streamlines the process, but. But very often, I think you don't really ask yourself, do I still feel this way? Mm-hmm. What do I want? So yeah. I think it's important to sit down. So the best things that have happened yeah, like, to me, I've said, like, what do I actually, what do yeah, I do want? You, do you, like, have you successfully, like, do you, if I were to ask you the really, like, cliched question, like, where do you want to be in five years? Like, not that you have to tell me, because maybe it's private. <laughs> um, uh, maybe your vision board is your own. My but like. But, I mean, could you answer that question? Or Because I can't. No, I mean, I, I, I know I, I have a, a basic idea of the types of things I want to be doing. But I just know, like, you know, when I was miserable and, and just riddled with insecurity and doubt. And, and last week? Last week, okay. yesterday. Um, you, know, I, you know, I started the Nerdist thing because I was like, well, wait a minute. What do I actually want to be doing? And what yeah. do I want to talk about? And with... With my wife, when we started dating, it was one of the first times I had said, well, what qualities do I really want in a partner that are, are supportive to me and how can I give to that person in a complimentary way? Yeah. I'd never really asked that question before. So when you ask those questions of like, what do I actually want and writing them down, the answers, I think it's really a good place to start because I think it a lot of times will actually surprise you when you start like like you wrote a book or just like you see it in the physical universe like oh oh i guess i do want that well how yeah. can i get this cuz everything means something but like before that cuz i don't i don't know your life story <laughs> but before that like what were you like oh i should be like on tv i should be doing like i had this like, general like sense oh, i mean i like, wanted to do i know i want i i wanted to do stand up i wanted to be in entertainment i know i i had this general it was just more about specificity of goals and also understanding 
the motivation behind those goals because someone might go, well, I want a million dollars. Like, sure. okay, well, fine. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Well, just because I'm going to have money. What does that mean to you? Like, right. To understand the why, 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 why until you get to the sort of the root seller of, oh, it's because I didn't have money when I was growing up. I equate this with this type of feeling yeah. and I want security. I want to be able to take care of this. I want to be able to – you learn so much about yourself when you – really get to the root of why you want the things that you say. And then sometimes you find out you don't really want the yeah. things you think you want, which is really freaky. Yeah. No, it, that's actually terrifying. It's like one of my – I've got like three of like my greatest fears, and I will tell you one and just one. Okay, just but one. Like, but like just getting like everything in theory that you want, and then like what if you're still unhappy if you get all the things that you want? Because then you're like, oh, I have really missed the mark on – life the one that i get like sure. the one life that i get yeah. i have ruined it uh, and that would be disappointing so yeah i i i feel like you're i should i should follow your lead well, check it, in more often about like what you should yeah like what is the what is the goal you might not be afraid of the same things because i feel like a lot of people of. when it when that question comes up is like i just want to like you know like travel a lot and like i uh, I guess I want to travel a lot, but but I feel like not as much as I'm supposed to, you know, like as much as like the, the ultimate goal of a person like is supposed to just be like to be able to travel the world. And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm down to travel, but you'd be surprised how much I prefer my couch. Of course. Traveling. You don't have to be a leaf on the wind 365, you like know, backpacking and all the time. But I just think, you know, that the, the, the self-examination is re- because you can't. You know, when you look at yourself scientifically, you can't manipulate the the world around. I mean, you can't manipulate data until you have the data. Like, you mm-hmm. can't fix problems until you know what the right. what they are, right? Or what you know. Or you might go, "Oh, I'm not afraid of these things I thought I was afraid of anymore." Or actually, I think I am more. Like, you might find that you're healthier in places that you didn't think you were. I just think it's. I think it's good to really examine that because it just. You're then you're not living. Otherwise, you're just you're just being directed by your emotions all the time. You know, I'm having like a a kind of mind blowing moment right now where I, I was about to uh, say that I, that I have had a, a similar experience where, and it's one of the things that I mentioned uh, in the book, and like checking in and going like, does that still upset me? Is that person a person that I would still not want to see? And actually, I. Th- think that you planted that in my head the last time I was on this podcast because it was an actor that we were discussing and you were like oh I've always like held a grudge against that person but but actually now I I just realized like oh no I don't I don't care I don't have an issue with him at all anymore but you like think that you do when you actually don't right and like yeah I mean what you're talking about I was going like well yeah I guess I do that thing but actually that was you which is blowing my mind that is pretty crazy well I think just like checking in and going like does that thing still scare me? Does that thing still upset me? Like, no. Because it's amazing the way that you just go, well, this is who I am. This is what bothers me. This is what I don't like. And, and like, you don't want to let yourself change or you don't think you change or something. Like, I don't actually know what that's about. Well, I think it's about it because it's, I think it's a conservation of energy because you, there, you know, there's this economy of energy that you have to get through your day. You have so only so much emotional energy. You have only so much physical energy. And so, like I said, you set a lot of things on autopilot. And so you allow yourself to be directed by your emotions because it's just, ah, it's fi- fire hot. 
<laughs> ice cold. Uh, oh, uh, projectiles falling from sky. Must run under thing. You know, like you you allow yourself to be de- you, you you set up your kind of emotional. Um, this emotional maze that you can navigate your day with that you feel is probably the most safe way for you. But then, you know, over time, they just, you know, like the insecurities and the fears compound, but you're not really examining them. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, they're they're overwhelming because you're not, you don't really strip them back and go, okay, what is this thing really? What does it really mean? Can I actually deal with it? No, I'm not ready to deal with that yet. At least I know I can file it away. This one, you know, it's just basically like cleaning out your hard drive. Yeah. You can't, your hard drive. I also put that off for years, too. So that explains a little bit. If there was just a disk cleaner that you could run on your brain and go, these are just cache files. You don't need them anymore. Let's just dump. That's what it is. They're cat, like, it's emotionally cached files that you don't need anymore that are just taking up RAM. So, uh, y- wow. I'm just surrounded by Star Wars wallpaper and you just said Ram. Like, I, I knew we were going with a hard drive metaphor, but you really took it there. I, Instead of saying taking up space, meaning both in your hard drive and your brain, you went with Ram. I and apologize I, for being I, so no, 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 no. on the nose. No, 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 no. Never apologize for your absolutes because this is who you are. <laughs> and to true. apologize for a statement like that would be to apologize for the core of your being, and I would never want you <laughs> okay, to. Okay, I, I, I take it back. I do not apologize. I don't apologize, but I do apologize. A lot, but, but uh, 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 but people, I remember the last time you were on, which I think was maybe five years ago, four years ago. God, was it 2012? Ooh. 2012, you know, when we four were years 15, ago. we were yeah. like 15 yeah, yeah, and yeah, seven. Yeah. I was 17, you were yeah. 15. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and people loved it, they loved you on the show. Oh, that's great. And I think you know, the handful of times that I've seen you between now and then, I always want to say. Please come back on, but I never want to. I I don't want to be the guy where when people see me, they go, "He's gonna fucking ask me." Oh no! Oh yeah, that's tricky, isn't it? Because I I mean, to be honest, like I and I feel like there are probably um, I don't know. Did Tom Hanks say something like this, or I'm just imagining it? Like um, I feel like there was somebody I ran into who had maybe just done your podcast, and so maybe it was a conversation I had where like if we could do press like this all the time, we would want to do it all the time. Like this is great. Like having these conversations is great. Like I please. Say that the next time we Absolutely. see each other. Because I want to be, I want to be like a Berbiglia style, like repeat, <laughs> repeat. I love his episode so much. Oh, he's like, great. I literally like there was one of uh, one of his appearances like was about a breakup, and it was like when I was going through a breakup, and I was like literally like just <laughs> just speaking to me, um, <laughs> which you know doesn't happen when you watch Entertainment Tonight. No, it, um, it can't because again, soundbite culture. We have to get as many people. We have to get as many celebrities on our show in in, in forty two minutes. I know, and have them all say nothing. 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 Have them all say precisely nothing. And that that is so much about what. Yes, it's so much. Wheel By the spinning. way, not that I have said anything of substance. I feel like I've been doing a lot of like, yeah, you have to think about stuff and think about your brain and no, you know fix your life and going. Yeah, I'm not really offering a lot of substance. You don't. You don't. You don't have to disclaim this. You've said it. You. You can't. It's impossible. The junket system and the and couch guest system is impossible to say anything yeah. of depth because it. You because it's just contextually it doesn't work. Yeah. If you were to sit on, you know, Fallon's couch and go. I have, you know, I hate my, I hate myself and I have a lot of issues. <laughs> then the audience is going to go, well, that's, yeah. what? And, and that's where you get the reaction of like, oh, and honey. then there's not enough time to explore that. Yeah. So people can't I see, you know, that's that why I safe. love stand up too. Like it's, it's just like a long form exploration of, of, 
ideas. Like, to watch somebody explain their point of view for an hour is so glorious. Like, and, you know, the idea of putting them on a couch. Like, comedians more so than celebrities, when I see them, uh, like, on uh, a late-night talk show, I just cringe. Especially because they usually do, like, a truncated version of a bit. Of a bit and it's yeah. so painful. And it's really, like, it, I think it speaks to how difficult those shows are that, like, this really polished bit of comedy just does not land. Well, and it shows you it shows you the importance of context. Yeah. So, yeah, when I do couch stuff and they go, well, do you have any bits you want to do? I always go, no, because it just... It's weird. I, I, I would rather, I, I would rather run the risk of just not seeming that interesting on the couch rather yeah. than trying to cram a bit. Ooh, and it feels so bitty. Yeah, like, I heard you, uh, heard you. Did you just go to a laundromat? You had a specific story about uh, being yeah. in a laundromat and someone stole your change and maybe she was wearing a red shirt. No, nope, <laughs> all I gotta say. About well, that weird. Is, you should yeah. ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird because the person who pre-interviewed me told me that. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it. But it again, it's. I think it's almost. I think there's it's it's detrimental how much content people expect now because yeah. it's forcing us all to shovel stuff without I substance because we're I just feel, trying to get stuff on the I fire. Feel I'm like the worst version of that because I both feel really annoyed by it and I'm totally guilty of it. Totally guilty of it. <laughs> Me too. Like my I'm fucking... like, there's nothing new on Netflix. Man, there's literally thousands and thousands of pieces. I'm like, there's nothing I want to watch. Exactly. Or or even just. Social media, it's like, oh, I should probably throw something on Instagram today. Why? I don't have to. Why? What, what's going to happen if I don't? Who gives a shit? I'll forget who you are. That's I mean, what will happen. <laughs> but we're just so conditioned to think that we, you know, we have to keep stoking this social fire or like the machine's going to break down. And yeah. then what are we? I, I'm really terrified that, that, that this Orwellian thing is happening in our culture but there's not a body that's Big Brother, but we are right. that. That we're so in each other's fucking business, and we're contributing to it. Totally. So we're allowing people to think they should be able to tell us how to live, tell us what to do, judge us from their, you know, hastily built ivory towers. And, but we are all Big Brother now, yeah. and it's fucking weird. That's deep, man. 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 I don't even smoke weed, and I feel like we should fire up a thing uh, what are they a bong how did i forget the word for bong? wow i've only ever used one once in my life <laughs> one time and kind of like right at right out of college i i used a bong and i did not this do is, it well we were just on a tangent about um content and the youths and well you didn't say youths but i was feeling like we sound really old and then you went you know we should fire up a fire up thing of them, of, uh, uh, the bong one of them, yeah, uh, no, we do. marijuana we, jars we what are they called <laughs> one of those uh one of those uh grass tubes i don't know what they're called they got the water in them and the and the the greasy thing I, yeah i don't uh i don't know i i you know i didn't mean to take this in such a strange no. direction but it is this kind of building it off the idea of self-exploration, which you've done in your book, Scrappy Little Nobody, which is it's available now. In November 5th? So this will go up closer to the... Okay, this goes oh, up it, November. Is it Jesus Christ? I'm such a fucking like. Oh, no, that's when this is going up. Oh, this is so going up November eighth. So, so we can say book is out. The book is out November fifteenth. Would you do it again? Would you write another book, or did you feel like? I feel I don't know. I felt like um, there's part of me that felt like, well, that's it. That's all my stories. <laughs> like I definitely because obviously you know it's not just the book. There are you know countless stories that you think are 
hilarious like so many things that i was like my editor is gonna love this and like was like this is not funny i was like what so there were lots of like uh had to be their kind of stories um so yeah there's definitely a feeling of like yeah that's it for a while i gotta like have some experiences before i know like mindy did two books in a couple of years i i genuinely don't know you know i think it's okay though i think it's okay to when you think about well, people are going to like this or people are going to not like this. Like, well, some people will, some people won't. I think not grading yourself on zero or 100% is a good thing. It's like, yeah, you know, some. so when people say, hey, I hated this thing or I thought you were dumb on your thing you said on your show was stupid. And I, I kind of <laughs> just go, okay, you're, yeah. you're totally, you know, not everything is for everyone. I don't yeah. know what to say. It's totally fine that you feel that way. You know, you don't, it, you don't have to like it. Yeah. I and mean, that's okay. Well, actually, speaking of that, like, the most interesting part about this, like, uh, which, you know, made me realize something that I had never noticed before was that I have, you know, I like maybe a dozen people I've spoken to who have, you know, read the book, who've offered their thoughts. Cause usually I'm just like, oh, you read it? Okay, cool. I, let's, anyway, like, I'm like so, <laughs> such a sensitive bitch. Um, but uh, the people who have, uh, you know, talked to me about it. Each one of them has cited one or several things as like, oh, that one line about this thing, like that, and they've all been different, which has never happened because usually, with a movie, it, it generally everybody is like, oh, that scene, that one line, like maybe there's two things, but for whatever reason, even if there are like, you know, multiple things that they liked in a movie. People just choose like the this one thing, and it's always the same thing, and I just got so used to that. That I, you know, didn't think about the fact that there's almost never variation in people's favorite part of a movie. Sure. And I have been, like, so um, – that's been, like, really flattering, I guess, that people – like, once a couple people read it, I was like, oh, oh I guess maybe those will be, like, the – the lines or the stories that people mention the most to me, and it I, there hasn't been a repeat yet, and that's been like unbelievable. Yeah, because like I don't know if like do you in a, in a and I don't know what accounts for that. I, I genuinely don't like why a book has a different reaction than a movie. But but like, do you find with stand up that people usually are like that? There's one joke, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like generally people are like there's a couple jokes that people always yeah, reference. Well, there's a sliding. Or is it different? There's a sliding scale so that. There are some sort of like A-list ones that mm-hmm. you kind of learn, oh, okay, so these are – people are probably going to – they're going to know – they're going to remember these because mm-hmm. it's just – when you do hundreds of shows yeah. and you see, okay, there's No, a that has literally been my experience with films the, my entire career. So, but yeah. I think um, uh, – there, but I do get some people go, oh, this one thing that you said once that I completely forgot about, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I just think with a book, you're doing – you know – Comedy is so much about getting to the funny part uh-huh. that there's, you know, there can be a lot of fat that people sort of scoop out because it's like, oh, I just want to get to that funny part. But with a book, you know, you're telling stories with a lot of detail and people are really focused on every single word and yeah. every single page. And so... Well, like, I think about, like, uh, you know, uh, Tina Fey's book and, like, there are, is one specific line and one specific story that I just always think about. And it, like, didn't occur to me that uh, somebody else who read the book wouldn't have that same experience. Because usually in a film, it's like, oh, that one line. Sure, but know? they all, you know, but they all have, you know, because a, a movie is, or a movie or a stand-up set is really about beats, yeah. And a book is about experiences. And so people 
whatever their own personal baggage is yeah. is gonna is just gonna kind of latch on to an experience in the in the literary work that speaks to them. So I think that's and and this is just full of those. You know, like a movie basically has kind of one arc. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, this these people want this thing, and they get from here to here. But this is a series of things that kind of make up who you are, and yeah. it's sort of like people are you know the same way that you have slightly different relationships with all your friends. It's like oh, we connect yeah. about different things. I mean, like, it's the same kind of thing. They're just connecting at different. At I know different that's true. Points. I mean, it's kind of it's alarming how often like a friend will say, "Oh, you said this one thing, and it stuck with me." I'm like, I have no memory. Have <laughs> Are no you sure I said that? Of saying I don't think that. I, that doesn't sound that like something doesn't I would sound say. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever? I can't remember. Did you say when you were sort of talking about your exploration of of body image and all that stuff? Did you did you ever start to arrive at something that was helpful to you to to deal with it no i mean and and like and i and i don't want to overplay like you know it was just like one story in a book of stories about like you know trying to figure yourself out and um trying to deal with who you are and you know that particular one seemed uh tricky because it you know deals with a a physical health issue but um yeah I mean I don't know I guess there there is part of me maybe this is more like you know laziness than an actual well thought out philosophy but there's part of me that's like I don't know so I'm damaged and everybody's damaged and if I was like perfect and balanced and enlightened like I would be no fun to be around you know like (laughs) like I maybe that's just me being lazy and not wanting to work on myself but you know, there there are things where I just go, you know, unless it's, like, really uh, hurting my day-to-day life or, like, you know, affecting other people. It's like, so these are my issues. Like, this is the baggage. I don't know. Like, maybe that's really lazy. But um, I don't know. There are just, like, aspects to my personality that I'm like, I don't. I don't feel that I need to fix that because it is what makes me human. And what is this, this idea of perfection, too, is – because there isn't really a shared idea of perfection. Everyone, yeah. everyone's idea of perfection is dictated by their own insecurities or whatever, what they wish they could change or what they, you know. And- I know, especially like there are times when I'm like, oh, I, I need to like, uh, you know, figure out how to like, you know, be really stylish and, and decorate my house really well and cook, you know, like sort of what we were talking about at the beginning. Like, and then it's like, then you meet someone who kind of subscribes to like a very Kerouac kind of philosophy and they're like, ugh, like with your white picket fence and you're, and you're like, all right, like you are chasing an ideal that other that some people sneer at and it's not that you should agree with you know any one person but like it is kind of sometimes helpful to remember that like one person's ideology shouldn't affect you that much because there are plenty of people who reject that ideology. Well, I also think I also think this idea of perfection is about conformism mm. and trying to fit in and be accepted in a group but the idea of you know I guess quote unquote flaws are about individuality and standing out and being different. And so what are, you know, and that's, those are the things you should be comfortable with because those are the things like the flaws make things interesting. It's like, you know, it's a dumb example, but you know, let's say, you know, there's a, you know, there's a million action figures that get printed, made of like Han Solo. And then one, you know, like a handful (laughs) of them get made and he's got two left hands. 
So as the toy maker, they might go, well, fuck, this one's got two left hands. We can't sell this. It's super <laughs> fucked up. But guess what happens over time? Those become the most sought after because they're the most interesting. I'm really happy you went with this metaphor. I, I really... tried to keep it so on the nose for the type of <laughs> Really, things really that, on brand expected. for yeah, you. Yeah, it's very expected of me. But it was, a, it was a first example that I could think of. Or like a, you know, like a stamp. Oh, this was printed upside down and there were only 10 of these. You mm. know, oh, it was a useless stamp, but oh my God. Now this is the most interesting thing in the world because it's so individual and it's so distinct, you know. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think embracing, I think embracing I those like, things like is good. Like somebody like uh, like uh, Ariana Huffington, I feel like she's always on talk shows. Is it Ariana Huffington? Yeah, like because no, yeah, the Huffington Post. Yeah. Yes. So she's like always on talk shows t- talking about how like she's like making herself better and meditating and I'm like you are so boring I don't know her maybe she is a hoot maybe she is the best friend to have in the world I've never met her but yeah I don't know I I I don't I wouldn't want to spend time with somebody who was like I'm working on becoming a flawless human right I think it's interesting to figure out I want the Han Solo with two hands you want the Han Solo with two hands because you you know you want to figure out how those flaws, so to speak, can be your strengths, how they can, you know, like maybe there are things in those flaws that are actually incredible assets. But because we have this idea, you know, and I totally have it, too. I moved a lot when I was a kid. I always was trying to fit in. Mm. And so, you know, that idea of other people's opinions and even being a comic, of course, is too, has been too important to me in my life, so that's a thing that I struggle with. But I, but I do think that at the root of those quote unquote flaws are real, authentic bits of individuality that people could make strengths. You yeah. know, so I would say in the exploration, in the list making, you know, maybe take on the things that you hate about yourself and go, well, maybe is there a way that this isn't every horrible thing that I think it is? Maybe <laughs> yeah. it's actually kind of interesting or maybe it's just yeah. something that makes me you know unique so that you're not just yeah i think that's what it is about the kardashians that bothers me is that it's <laughs> i'm so glad you made that leap i that came out of nowhere i'm excited it's, it's the pursuit of just becoming this kind of this this sort like of like canvas? android that's kind of you know more obsessed with public image than right like with being substance. inoffensive and I'm not saying than... I, and I'm willing to say I don't know them at all yeah that is my headline judgment of them I have not done the research to know them as people but I feel like that is what that represents mm. to people that sort of just that that one kind of superficial stratum of culture where it's like, well, just be famous and, you know, change all your features at all costs. So you just right. kind of start to look like one thing. And that to me is the kind of like that willful conformism to, you know, like, let's just all be like this. Yeah. Where we can't really sh- show any emotion. I know. I'm- I find that I find that with um, like, I really can't. uh deal with how toxic those like fashion uh criticism shows are like (laughs) you know like red alert it's bad fashion right and like so unless it's like a tight strapless black gown like it's we don't like it (laughs) because i'm i'm like do you not see especially when normally it's on a very thin very tall woman right uh so it's like i don't it's so like blatantly obvious to me that like usually the 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 things that are chosen as like the best things are, you know, normally the exact same, like three silhouettes and, you know, like right. color palette and all that stuff. Um, and that like when someone wears something that is really 
different, it is automatically frowned upon and it's just like do you not see like what a really like heavy-handed <laughs> metaphor this is for like everything <laughs> uh it seems like damaging to reinforce like yeah you know, these I, things are good things and like you know i think they really pat themselves on the back for occasionally choosing something with like a little ornamentation on it that is slightly different than the last one but yeah i i can't handle those because it just seems like it is uh, the most um like distilled version of like if you are different we will make fun of exactly. you. exactly it's like how is this a, a like a sanctioned television program or magazine <laughs> article that is like approved by like many many business people it seems like this is just well it's sending a really weird message about it's, individuality it's sort of a snake eating its tail because shows like that are created so that people at home can be distracted so they don't have to self-examine yeah you know so they can just sort yeah. of zone out or one could argue in you know to that they can most easily digest like this is what i'm supposed to be which right. is you know which is not which is not healthy which i think you know if people didn't take it so seriously it's like all right fine it's mindless dumb entertainment yeah. you know but but when people like st- start to live by it and again i think that's part of the kardashian thing too it's like striving for that you know, or it's like, you should never, your face should be so absent of any sign of living that you <laughs> just look like a, you know, like, like a, like a, 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 you were created in a lab and you never can emote because your face is so, right. I mean, like have lines, have, have life, like right. have experience. Like it's, it's not, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, it's, I took this in a strange direction <laughs> because I've been thinking a lot about it lately in culture and is is are we in a headed in a good direction and is is social <laughs> have you noticed that i'm trying really hard to like absorb what you're saying and not say anything bad about the kardashians because i can't take that kind of heat <laughs> i can't take it i'll take it i can't handle that kind of heat i'll take the me. i'll take the heat you don't have to say anything i'll take all the heat i will take all the kardashian heat all right i will take all the heat uh but i, I but it, but it is you know i i just want people I want people to want to have conversations. I want people to want to understand each other. And I want people to just kind of examine and ask if they're making healthy choices in their in their life. You know? I don't know. That's Wait, all. Can I, can I just ask, uh, if I heard correctly, this is going to air on Election Day? No. This will... This will oh. November 8th? No. Yes. Yeah. Like, so, okay. So here's my thing, right? Okay. So we are putting this out on election day and I had just like, as we were talking, recorded in October, we we recorded this, you know, before (laughs) election day This is after debate number two. Um, and I, I feel like we have been talking a lot and, and, uh, about like, this is, this is what I would love if everybody could just be cool and do this thing. And I was just wondering, like, I wonder why the conversation is, has, has gone this way and I and I do think that it might have something to do with like we just watched uh you know debates that were upsetting and we're in a political landscape that's upsetting a lot of people and like the fact that this is going out on election day it's like it's I just think it's interesting and and weird that like we are you know having this conversation that like no matter where we go it ends up coming back to like kind of personal philosophy and like you know social philosophy yeah and it's just it's just interesting that like something this um the climate right now ew ew but the climate right now um is just like forcing us to ha- have those conversations but, with ourselves and with each other but it's not just here the whole world because it's a stressful motherfucking time like this is stressful the whole world is kind of bat shitty right now yeah. like there's there are a lot of 
leaders who are saying strange, crazy, strong yeah, things no, and taking very strong yeah. actions and doing very... Maybe, I don't know what will happen in between now and then, but like, you know, Nigel Farage is saying, no, all men talk like that. Like, he, <laughs> Nigel Farage is saying, like, uh, which is like, uh, in that case, we we should run away from all of you. If that is true. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so you're right. Like, it is, there is like a world... Um, yeah, something weird is happening. Yeah, it does I don't know. feel like uh, the beginning of them. You know, I think it's probably a good idea to run away from us, but we're not super smart and we're very easy to manipulate. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like like running from a zombie. It's like, no, oh, what you're gonna do is I just run and then don't, and go upstairs. Like, no, but if I were, but if I were a guy, I would be so offended that like I was getting lumped in with people who talk that way I, like i would be like how dare you say that to defend your own actions like i think the reason that no, we not... are not all bragging about committing acts of sexual violence that would be really weird yeah i don't i don't um the reason that i'm not super indignant about it is because i think it's sort of hard to be like i mean guys really get the short end of the stick you know what i mean it's like yeah. so i don't really i just assume oh, that's interesting yeah i just assume like because we just, I just had a whole conversation with anna ferris about this exact thing really yeah and and her podcast partner sim because we were both like yeah i don't i mean maybe when i was 19 and i was trying to fit in with the it, it's basically just it's shallow talk because people don't want to have real conversations yeah. about things and so no and i do feel like and i th- maybe this is i'm interrupting you but uh, no. like the uh Maybe this is why a lot of guys haven't been like immediately really vocal and saying like, no, we fucking don't talk like that is because it feels like, well, I have said like, oh, that girl's hot or I want to fuck that girl or something. But like that's not the objection. I I think that people are trying to conflate it with just plain vulgarity, which I don't object to. I love vulgarity. (laughs) I don't love like sexual aggression, you know? So I think like a lot of guys have been having this conversation with themselves going like, well, I have said things that aren't great, but like that's only because someone is trying to trick you into thinking that what he said is just the same as like saying something uh, crass. Well, I also you know? think a lot. Of, I think not. a lot of people wouldn't believe. You know, if you're a dude and you go, "Oh, well, I don't really have conversations like that." I think most people go, "Fuck you!" Yes, you do. Of course, you yeah, do. Isn't that you weird? know, yeah, because it it's sort of like guys are guys, and you know, like I said, Donna, I was primarily raised by my mom, and so I don't, I don't, and believe it or believe this if you want to or not. But with the exception from, you know, when I was 19 years old or 20 years old and trying to trying to, quote unquote, fit in because I was afraid to have real conversations mm-hmm. with people. And I really think that's what a lot of that is. It's just a, it's just insecurity and trying to trying to posture and like piss on the sure. tree and, you know, like be the big dog, <laughs> you know, because you're afraid to have a real conversation and go, hey, I'm a person. I have insecurities. Some people don't like don't, you know. That I that I honestly I just don't I think people wouldn't I think people don't believe it but I do but I do feel like I don't I don't relate to that I don't understand it 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 does make me feel weird like if I'm in a and I'm not really in this situation anymore because you know, all my friends are you know we're all dorks so we don't talk, none of us yeah. talk that way but if I am in a group of dudes and they start talking that way I get really I shut I get yeah. really like I don't know how to react and I. 
I don't know if, but I don't know if I would have the presence of mind to go. Hey, you, you stop saying no, what yeah. you're saying. I would probably just leave or make some sort of a snarky comment like, yeah. "Well, it's uh, you guys want to hit each other with rocks now? Yeah, or, you know, like, yeah. Should we punch get a each measuring stick. The, yeah, yeah, should we punch each other in the dick now? Yeah, what happens? Like, yeah. I, I would say something defensively snarky like that. Mm-hmm. No, I know what you're saying, but what's interesting is that like. You, I feel like you are not letting yourself off the hook because you have said things that you are not proud of in your life. But like, so is it everybody? Of course, everyone. Um, yeah, you know. And I, it's just interesting to me that, like, again, I, I feel like even like listening to you, t- you know, talk this way, it feels like uh, you, like, they've done a really good job of convincing. Uh, the population really quickly because this only happened a couple of days ago right. as of what when we're talking that like um, that w- what what we object to as as women or as men is like that he you know used vulgar language right. or um, you know was talking about uh, someone in a in a way and fa- like talking about what he finds like sexually attractive and, just, w- and just like gr- while like. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm not thrilled. Like, you know, how can I be thrilled about that? I'm not horrified. I'm not an idiot. But then to say, like, also, like, if you were in a group of men and a guy, like, was saying, like, well, I can get away with, like, I can just go up to a girl and just, like, grab her tits and she, you know, she can't do anything. Right. Like, if you heard something like that, you would be like, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. (laughs) You're a bad person. Right, right. You know, like, and I think that... And I would would go... Like, like the fact that you are sitting here going, well, I've said thing. Well, when I was 19, I said that... I I really feel strongly, and I know that I'm a woman. I don't know anything. But, like, I feel pretty strongly. I would put money on the fact that, like, no, you have never been in a room with someone who is, like, saying, I can get away with hurting a woman. Right, You know, like... Yes, that is an important distinction, and you're absolutely right, and... And, and, like, locker room talk is, like, yeah, I'm sure that in proverbial and literal locker rooms, men have said things that they wouldn't be, like, super thrilled to tell their mom that they said. But I don't think that the majority of the population is, like, you know, talking about non-consensual if stuff. I, if I heard that in a locker room, my first thought would be, like, these people are full of shit. Yeah. They're just trying to – and maybe part of the issue is why do – guys feel like they have to bond in that way like why is that you know what i mean like yeah. what is it about that where you know where they do they do they want everyone to go yeah well, for, you're better than you're yeah. our leader now yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what everyone wants is just for everyone to go you are our leader now <laughs> that's so fucking funny that's a great take on it yeah i mean it, 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 it yeah it, you're exactly right there is a distinction between vulgarity and like direct uh, non-consensual aggression, yeah. and it is cra- it is really really crazy. I mean, it's just it's such a crazy time for you everything. Know. And again, taking it back to the murder clowns, I think the murder clowns yeah. are just a mirror <laughs> to all that craziness and saying, and in a way, kind of saying like, "Hey, society, this is what you are right now. <laughs> You're a fucking murder clown. You're a horrifying painted." representation of something that should be fun that is yeah. ho- ugly and horrifying and this is who you are and I think that's what we're so freaked out about and going back to the other thing about about beauty and body image you know I will never shut up about the show but it's one of the reasons why I love the Twilight Zone so much because they go after stuff like that you know in the 60s before people were really talking about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but there is one 
particular, their probably the most famous episode is called The Eye of the Beholder, and it is completely about beauty standards. And it's it's really fascinating. I mean, now you've seen enough anthology stuff, so you expect, oh, there's going to be a little twist at the end. Right. But at the time, people didn't expect that, and it was really interesting. And it does address a lot of those issues about what is beauty, who says what's beautiful. There's a line in there that says, you know, when everyone is beautiful, no one will be, mm-hmm. which is such an interesting idea and another reason well, to embrace you, when individuality. When you were a kid, did you ever read Starbellied Sneetches? I think it's a Dr. Seuss book. Uh, I remember it, I remember the concept of it, but I don't remember exactly what like it was. that there are uh, sneetches, which, are, which live on beaches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's little creatures. And some of them have stars in their bellies, and half of them don't. And then a man comes to town and says, I can put a star in your belly. And so they all have stars. And now the, like, elite, original star-bellied sneetches are like, well, this is garbage. <laughs> like, I was better before, and now... And then, you know, that same kind of huckster says, well, I can take the stars off and then you'll be the the cool ones again and it goes round and round and round like that until they're all like none of them can remember who originally had a star and who didn't and like it was one of the ones that my parents read to me constantly and like i think about all the time because it's like that's really interesting like you want a you want uh, like and that happens in fashion a lot like you you need to have this kind of dress because only this you know, expensive brand is producing that kind of dress. And then once it trickles down to, you know, uh, Forever 21 H&M and, and, it, and everybody has access to it, like, God help you if you're caught in that dress. Right, it's exactly. just like, oh, my God, guys, like, this is literally a children's book about, <laughs> like, you know, superiority and, yeah, beauty standards and all that. And embrace, you know, well, there's another version of that story, too, that I'm not officially, but another version in my head where they uh, – Whereas they go, well, we want stars in our bellies too. And then someone comes along and harvests all the star-bellied ones. <laughs> it's like, no, you made yourself the thing that got consumed. You didn't have to. You should have just yeah. been happy with who you are. By the way, I was at dinner last night. And I'm bringing this up because when I moderated your panel for Trolls, which when is Trolls out? November 4th. So November 4th. in theater. I hope you so already saw it, y'all. Book and <laughs> Trolls. But at the Comic-Con panel this year, which... Um, I moderated. I got to hear your version of True Colors. I was at dinner last night. Look across the restaurant. Cindy Lauper no. at the restaurant. Who, it, I mean, I adore her. Yeah. And fuck. she just, you just look at her and you go, she's rad. Even if I yes. didn't know she was, yeah. she's rad. Did you talk to her? No. No. I'm terrible at talking to people. I, no, I wouldn't. Because I just feel like, what am I going to say? Yeah, I know. I know. I never want to meet, particularly musicians. Like, actors, I don't have a huge problem meeting because you're like, oh, you were in that thing and you, I loved well, you, you in that this, movie. Yeah. And, and when it's a musician, it's just like, you are Paul McCartney all day, every day. <laughs> it's a fucking different thing. <laughs> There's nothing I'm going to say to you that someone hasn't said to yeah, you. Yeah. It's like... I mean, like, I went to the Grammys and I was like, I'm the least famous person on the planet. Like, they're, it's just a, music, musicians are a totally different level. Like, the most famous actor is not, like, the same thing as the, like, a kind of, you know, up and coming musician. Because you're just like, is that a, is like. Music is a universal. <laughs> music no, is a universal. no, I just, I, I guess I just mean that, like, you know, um, they just are their, their, like, persona all the time. I don't know, like, where, you know, somebody like um, uh, Al Pacino or something, like who's like such a tough guy in movies, but like maybe he's an absolute lamb. You could totally in real take life. him. You could I, totally I'm beat sure. the shit out of Al Pacino. You should beat the shit out of Al Pacino. Uh, 
That would be amazing. But I don't know. It's like, yeah, I, I, all I mean is like, it's it's not just that it's like a, a celebrity. It's that it's like it's Cindy Lauper. I have a gross like, confession to make, She's Cindy Lauper all the time. I have a gross confession to make, which is I would be too embarrassed to go up to her because I envision this playing out like, hey, I think you're really awesome. And she's like, thanks. And then and then I've interrupted her at dinner. But what I really secretly, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I really Come secretly on. hope to have is that she looks across the restaurant and goes, hey, I, at midnight, or I, I love Walking Dead, or whatever. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I and knew you I were going to oh, say that. Me? I oh, knew you were going to say Lopper, that. Please. I oh, knew you were going to say it. Such an I know, because it happens to you. And then I'll you, say, don't bother me. Because it happens to you one time, and you're like, <laughs> This is better than crack heroin. Like this is like this is the greatest feeling. I'm the like I'm the most powerful, amazing person, and it is like so. I I definitely know what you're saying. Where and I knew like when you were like I'm too embarrassed. I was like I know what he's gonna say because it's like it is such a humiliating thing to like admit that like of course that's what you want to happen. Mark Maron said something really like in the I mean and, but it's basically it's exactly the same principle as like you see an attractive person and you want them to be like I couldn't help but notice you across the room. You're so take my eyes off you're you. absolutely stunning. You're so magnetic. It's like so embarrassing, but it also is also the basis of Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey. So like it's a very universal. Yes. Like that's the feeling is like little old me. Oh yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> you know exactly who what, who, who what, little old mousy me and like that's, nobody that's like Harry I, Potter I'm not, Twilight yeah, but little I old am me special. I am I am special. Little old me. Like Twilight should have been called like, little old li- me. Like little old me, and you're telling me that I'm the I'm the chosen one. I'm the most right. special. So I'm, like that is that feeling. I'm going to be the queen of what, vampires. What could be the most more of a like chosen one feeling than like someone you admire going you? I know you, and I admire you. An owl like, delivers you a letter ooh. because you're chosen. Yeah. Uh, Mark Mark Maron said something very funny to me, and I found it to be you know Mark's very on. He's very honest. He's just a he's a blaze of you know. Uh, and I was it was it relieved me so much to hear him say it because it made me feel like less of a monster for you know. For even having a remotely similar idea. But we were in Austin and we were getting food. There was a big line of people. We went up to put our names in and they were like, okay, it'll be like a 45-minute wait. And he turned to me and goes, yeah, you never want people to recognize you in public until you're trying to get a table. <laughs> it's like he wanted the person to recognize and us. And be like, like we're right this way. Oh, please, right oh, this please, way. Oh, don't wait out here. And it was such a... Like you know, you're just a person, yeah, but exactly. you're not. Exactly. So like, Because it makes you feel like Oh, you 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 know you got me. I was being narcissistic in my head for a I second. No, like, but you go. Oh, I would special. never say that. No, I never no. say that. But it is. But, but like literally, honest. like what? Like the the fact that Mark Maron said that to you. The fact that you were brave enough to just say like, well, I mean, secretly, I'm hoping that like Cindy Lauper like <laughs> loves at midnight. Um, and I mean that is the same principle as the Cliff Notes scene in Match Point. It's yeah. just like I, when someone says something to you that you would not have been courageous enough to admit, but you absolutely feel, yes. even though you're like, I'm such an ass. Asshole, right. You still feel it. That is like the best thing. And I and I had a very similar conversation with Kay Cannon, uh, who wrote uh, Pitch Perf- the Pitch Perfect movies, uh, and Thirty Rockin is like one of the great you know comedy writers in my opinion. Um, before I wrote the book, she was like the only like writer that I'm really really close to. And I and I like was like, do you want to like give me a writer pep talk or like you know i was kind of expecting somebody to tell me how to write a book when i was like yeah i'll write a book i thought someone would tell me how um and i had a very similar conversation with her and i felt like there were times when i was like i want to omit 
certain things for self-preservation reasons. And like knowing that I had told Kay that that was my goal, I was like, it has to stay in. Damn it. <laughs> um, so you like, even though I, even though it's, it's super likely that she doesn't remember the specifics of that conversation, like, I, I mean, I think like the fact that you can listen to this podcast and hear something like that and go, even if like you don't literally relate to it is like, yeah, if I saw Cindy Lauper, I would want her to recognize me. But like, it just speaks to like ego, and we all have moments like we that, and it feels moments. so fucking good we to hear someone say in. it. We all want to fit in. It's like there's nothing wrong with having those types of selfish thoughts or having those thoughts that. I mean, I don't. You know, people throw around the word narcissism a lot, and and I think it's a fun, jokey thing to mm-hmm. say. True narcissism is someone who Terrifying. is <laughs> unable to accept any responsibility for their actions, yeah. and who legitimately doesn't understand something if it's not about them. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's a very clinical, but we all have brushes of that, and that's okay because at the core of it. Part of our evolution is like, well, you you need to be a part of a community. Like, you need to be a part of something if you want to thrive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just where a lot of that. Some, so it's it's fine to have those types of selfish moments. I think how you what you do with them is a different story. Mm-hmm. Or if you define yourself by them, yeah. that's a different story. But it's okay to be human and sometimes be selfish. Or sometimes that's exactly what I mean. Like yeah. self improvement is great, but there's a certain point where you're like, or I could just like forgive myself for having forgive like yourself. complicated emotions. It's okay. Forgive yourself. Like it's honestly, it's just forgive yourself for. I mean, don't forgive yourself for murder. And, <laughs> <laughs> forgive yourself for being human, yeah. I guess, is ultimately. And I think once you start doing that, then, you know, that kind of helps chip away at the I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself. Because if you're kind of forgiving yourself a little bit, then that'll start to swell in. So write stuff down. Forgive yourself for things that maybe you've been holding on to for a long time. And it's okay. You're okay. Ultimately, you're okay. Um, we're all okay. That's what we're getting at. Even though the world feels Even not Even though okay. everything's falling apart. Even though today's election And today day. is <laughs> literally, <laughs> it's possible that it's Armageddon. I also feel like <laughs> there is, it's also, uh, you know, because this, like, you know, news cycle moves so quickly, I feel like it's super possible that that whole rant about, like, locker room talk will be, like, the moment, like, will be, like, uh, like, talking about, um, like, binders full of women right Romney. you know like where like will it be like super old news and everyone will be like no we've already talked about all those what are they even talking issues. about why are they still talking about that? i don't even know what's happening and also hopefully it's possible that this you know um maybe hell opened up and swallowed a certain person it could be like that the, would be it great. could be like that last season of buffy where they found out that uh, their town is over a helmet um i cannot believe that you just did that to me because I'm literally watching Buffy from the beginning and I'm like on season four and That's I'm not really anything away. mad at That's you. That's not giving anything away. But wait, wait, don't they say that they're over Hellmouth in literally episode one? Well, there you go. See, so nothing was spoiled. Okay. Nothing okay. was nothing was spoiled. Okay. Listen, the episode where uh, Buffy dies is great. Uh, <gasps> whoa, shit! Oh my god! She's not even in the last season. I actually, no, 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 no. I actually did know some, well, you know, we don't actually want to spoil it for people who haven't seen that, but I did, I do know that there's like actually something that happens with that. With maybe? All I know is that David Boreanaz has never not worked a day in his life. Right? That is crazy. He went from Buffy to Angel to Bones. Like it is actually, I mean, he does actually like hold a record for like most syndicated TV shows or something like that. It is crazy. Like when you, because you don't really think about it day to day. But when you go, 
I think Bones is like one of the longest shows. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it is. It is on. And here's a little. You know what? Since you gave me the, I hope that Cindy Lauper recognizes me. Yes. I will give you this. Please. I am current on Bones. You're current. I am up to date on. You are all Bones. on Bones. It is one of those shows that so defies logic mm-hmm. and reality. Yeah. And like the technology they use in it is like, well, can we just face what can we just access all uh, you know, cameras in like security cameras and just use facial recognition software to find this person? Like click, click, click. Yeah. Enter. Yeah. And enter. Yeah. And it's done. It's just like when when people when it's that kind of bold denial of the reality right. of how technology and crime solving works, yeah. I just go, yeah, I will watch this program. That's why I'm. That's why I'm so forgiving. Like when I watch, because I watch the Flash, and the Flash is very and similar. I and the entire time I'm going, this is absurd, and yet <laughs> and yet I'm like, next episode, continue. That's why, I like that's why, I like superhero genre though, because. They do the same thing on the Flash. We're like, oh, we'll just access that camera from that satellite. Could you really just do that? But, but when I if I start to that's the agreement you make with the show. Because if I ask that question, I have to go. Well, it is a show about a guy who can run it like Mach three. So yeah. maybe I just have to allow myself the freedom that I don't not know. All this I, is don't know. Gonna... I don't know. I to be honest, I always feel like that's a silly, um, uh, like a false equivalency when people are like. Something doesn't make sense, and they're like, "Oh, but the guy who turns into a giant green monster who is." Uh, I'm like, well, I think they yeah, just. I think I, a show just has to follow the set of rules that it sets. Yeah. Up. And if, okay, the, if they're okay. alien rules, they got to follow those rules. And if they're weird, we can hack into this rules. That's fine. If you're okay. Okay. With agreement. okay. It's the violation of those rules. It's violating the agreement that you make with your audience. When on, you set it on, up. When you when you okay. set it up, yeah. But uh, anyway, I'm glad you were here to talk about your favorite show, Bones. Uh, <laughs> Damn it! I wish I knew like when it was on, so I could have done a little lazy joke about like oh, tune in Bones. Tune in to Bones. On, on, Watch Bones. Are you on, on Bones? Nope. Thingy. Just think it's great. Just think it's a great, great show. Just think it's great. And uh, please come back. And please come back anytime. I'm serious. Like I, it's it's always a great. I'll just show up. Don't think I won't. Fucking do it. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Scrappy little nobody available now. Trolls in theaters. Anna Kendrick, a person. <laughs> I, ha- I hated this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the I'm Anna Kendrick, and I've hated this. <laughs> little old me. Little old me. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top, in his Cuisinart, or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free Right now on Wondery Plus.